children of Israel were just finally given their ability to leave by Pharaoh, told to get out. And you know the story, they are leaving Egypt and <clears throat> not even a day had passed and they thought they were trapped because they came to the waters of the Red Sea. And, and at the same time, the Lord had told Pharaoh, or I guess you could say Pharaoh had told the Lord, however it worked out, it worked out that Pharaoh decided, nope, I know I said they can go, but I'm going to go get them back. And so now the children of Israel see the sea in front of them and see Pharaoh's army coming up behind them. And uh, if they had ever felt trapped, that was it. Uh, <clears throat> so this is when, when they turn and speak to... Uh, why don't you go to the verse before it? The Lord... Uh, go back one more time. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. I wonder how many times when we feel trapped... The, all we're going to do is look. We're going to go from one place to another. And, you know, it's kind of like when you get, a, when you get a, um, an animal trapped into a corner, eventually they're going to feel like they have to fight. You know, you know, I don't care how big or small the animal is. It's the instinct is, okay, I'm trapped. Now it's time to fight. And so I wonder how many times when we feel trapped spiritually, we think, all right, it's time to fight. I've got to look. I've got to, got to get the enemy in my sights, and I need to strike. But the word of the Lord here is, says, fear not and stand still. That's kind of the opposite of fight. Stand still. Just tell yourself, stand still. Tell yourself right now, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you've seen today, you will not see them again after today. Again, no more forever. That means you're not going to see them anymore after today. Amen? Next verse. The Lord shall fight for you. I know you feel like you're backed into a corner. And I know you feel like you need to strike and fight. But you stand still and don't be afraid and the Lord will fight for you. He shall and ye shall hold your peace. Next verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Forward. What's right in front of them? The Red Sea. Speak that they go forward. You know, the promises of God a lot of times look like a dead end. The place that God's leading and, and ordering your steps, it looks like I've gone as far as I can, and now it's a dead end. But this is what the Lord said to him. Go forward. 
What do you mean? My next step, I'm going to land in water. You're really telling me to go forward? Yes, that's the direction that I told you to go. Go forward. Speaking to the children of Israel that they go forward. Next verse. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Next verse. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They will follow them. I will get me honor upon Pharaoh. This is the, the, I felt the Lord say that phrase right there just tonight. I will get, this is kind of the King James English version of saying it, I will get me honor upon Pharaoh. But what he's saying is, you go, you obey, I'll fight, and the enemy will know that I am your God. They will, I will leave them no choice but to acknowledge me as your God. Pharaoh, all along, Pharaoh didn't want to honor God, didn't want to give God any honor. Remember, every time it's, I don't know this God, and I don't worship this God, and and he's your God, and he, you know, we have our own gods. And, and the Lord said, I, I'm not satisfied. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if the Lord just decided it's not good enough to get my people out of Egypt. For them it is, but for me it's not. I've got to do more than that. I have to get honor. I have to get victory over this situation. Now we think, Lord, just deliver me. And he's thinking, I don't want to just deliver you. I want to get victory. I want to get victory. I can't just be your babysitter and, and, and take you out of a bad situation and put you in a good situation, I don't get any victory from that. We have to introduce the third party, the enemy here, so that there can be victory, honor to be gotten. I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host upon his chariots, and I feel like the Lord started, well, he's probably already had it, but he's, he's got a plan. He's got a, he's got a game plan for what's about to happen. I know how I'm going to get honor upon the enemy. Trust me, I know exactly what I'm going to do to destroy them. I feel that in the Holy Ghost to tell you tonight. The Lord already knows what he's going to do to your enemy. He already knows what he's going to do to our enemy. In fact, we know the greatest uh, prophecy to our enemy is he is going to perish. I don't have time to go down the book of Revelation tonight, but that's where it says it, that that great dragon, he's going to be nothing.
and upon all his hosts. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. Upon his hosts and upon his chariots. <laughs> I'm giving you all kinds of foreshadowing here. His chariots. His chariots. Not just his army, his soldiers. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Not just the fighters, the, not just the beings, the, the humans or the spirits or whatever you want to call them that are on his side. I've got a plan for even his equipment. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do to everything that he possesses that's his. I'm going to get honor upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Next verse. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Let's keep reading. The angel of God which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. They had marched this far with the angel in front of them. The angel went around behind them. You see that? The pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Next verse. It came, to, it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night. There, uh, it can't be more than a few hundred yards that they're separated by. But on this side, it's light. It's daytime. And on this side, it's darkness. It's nighttime. They didn't come near each other all night. Next verse. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Next verse. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were, all a, were a wall unto them on their right and on their left. Imagine those walls are made out of water. That's water and that's water. This is dry ground. The, what's he holding it back with? The wind. Next verse. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, everything that God said he was going to get honor upon, including the chariots, all the horsemen, all the chariots. They go into the sea, yeah, they're right on the same ground. The water is still there being held up by the wind. Right? Next verse. It came to pass that in the morning, watch. It wasn't even good enough for him to get honor upon them in the darkness. He wanted it to be in the daylight where everybody could see exactly what was going to happen to them. You see that? Now that the children of Israel have moved through, the angel has moved through, and the cloud that was separating them, darkness and light, has moved through. And now it's the morning watch. And we can all see. The Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians. 
through the pillar of fire of cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. That means he scared them. It's like the world's worst game of peekaboo. He that's what it says. He looked through and troubled them. And now they don't know what's going to happen. They're in the middle of this ocean. The walls are up. The walls of water are up. They think they're pursuing God's people. And God decides to scare them. The Lord's got a nice sense of humor. Next verse. And this is what he did. He took off their chariot wheels. Imagine that. You're, sit, you're the enemy. You're sitting in your chariot or on your horse, getting ready to pursue. And all of a sudden you look and you think, hey, that looks a lot like my wheel. That is my wheel. How did it get down there? Oh, no, he's missing his. They're, we're all missing our wheels. We cannot pursue. What did the Lord say? I'm going to get honor upon Pharaoh and all of his chariots and all of his horsemen. He took off the chariot wheels that they drave them heavily. You ever had to drive on a flat tire? Imagine, drive, imagine a chariot with four of those in the mud. Mm, see how quickly that turned? So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And that's, that's exactly what he said he was going to do. I'm going to fight for you. And I have an awesome game plan. I'm going to get out the drill. I'm going to take off the wheels. It's going to be so much fun for me. Next verse. The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Next verse. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. Whoosh. When the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The Lord got honor against the enemy. Amen. Brother Hart, I'm going to turn this over to you now. Amen. I have a quick question for us. Came to my mind as Elder was speaking. And it is, is what we're praying for, or does what we're praying for, align with God's plan? Are we praying for things based on His will or based on our will? how quickly 
and how easily that can get skewed, right? I feel, um, feel the Holy Ghost really strongly here tonight, and I'm so thankful for, um, for Elder and uh, willingness to just wait on the Lord. I feel like, in a way, this, I just want to share quick, quickly a couple passages, and I feel like, in a way, this is kind of instruction, and I feel like that um, the Lord's just going to minister to us. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, real quickly, going to read here. Um, if, you, if you don't know the story, uh, there's a man, his name is uh, Elkanah. He has two wives, Hannah and Penina. That's a situation we won't even get into. <laughs> but he had two wives, and um, so, of course, there was problems. But one of them was barren, couldn't have children, and uh, desperately wanted to. And so she's, she's in this place of weeping, of brokenness, of sorrow. And uh, we'll skip a little bit, start in chapter 1, verse 9. And arose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, after they had drunk. Um, now Eli the priest, priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She vowed a vow and said, now watch this, this is her prayer to the Lord. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid. Because also she was getting... Her, uh, verse 6 says that her adversary also provoked her sore to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So if it wasn't bad enough that she was barren, she had adversaries, those that were making matters worse by just poking at the situation, saying, man, I don't know what you did, but you must have messed up. You can't have kids. And uh, in that time, in that day and age especially, and I'm I'm sure the case is still true now, at least for those who want kids. Um, but especially in that day and age, it was, it was very devastating if a lady couldn't have a child and carry on the, carry on the, the family name. And so continuing verse 11, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. She prayed very specifically what she wanted. But she said, Lord, if, if you'll do this, if you'll give me this, do this for me, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And uh, it came to pass, she continued praying before the Lord that Eli... And Eli was, uh, he was the priest, but he was not really living the way that he should. He was a little bit carnal. And Eli marked her mouth, and Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she'd been drunk. He said unto her, How long have you been drunk and put away the wine from you? And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm not a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Or I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but have poured out my soul before the Lord. She was in a place of desperation, in a place of desire for God to 
step in and do something for her. And it'd be one thing for her to just pray her will and pray her desire and, and believe it and be sorrowful in it and pour out her soul. But she went one step further and, and in her desire, in her asking, she said, you know what, I'm not going to pray this just for myself. I'm not going to just pray that I would have a son just so that my accusers can shut up and go away and I can just be, you know, good and good standing in the community. But Lord, I'm going to pray this and in this prayer, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to make a vow to you that if you honor it, if you do it, it's not going to be for me and my benefit and my gain, but I'm going to return that son, that boy, right back to you. And of course it happens. There's, we have two more books named Samuel as proof that the Lord gave her a, a, a son and she honored her, she honored her vow and returned him to the Lord, and he served the Lord, and I find it so amazing that he served the Lord under a heathen priest, and, and with heathen sons, and you never see Samuel resent the work and the call of God his whole life, and he did it for years, and it seemed like he had no choice in the matter, he just had, but he was a child that was birthed in prayer, he was birthed by a mother in a place of desperation and with a commitment to God. And that commitment lasted not only for her to receive the son, but also throughout the life of her son as he, as he did the work of the Lord and of, of a prophet. Just one other passage I want to read here in the New Testament, James chapter 4 and verse 3. Pretty familiar passage. It says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. So essentially, you ask because what you're asking for is just something that you desire, and it doesn't really align with my plan or my purpose. Man, but we have a, I know we have an assurance and a surety that if we ask in faith, he'll respond. And if we ask with a commitment to him that, look, Lord, I don't want to ask amiss. Um, I don't want to ask just that what I'm asking be consumed on my own lusts. But I want to ask for something that aligns with your plan. And something that will be used for, for your kingdom and for your cause. And I feel like that tonight, whether it's, whether it's in line kind of with the story of the children of Israel, where you feel like you have the enemy at your back, you're up against the, you're up against the wall of, of what you can do in the natural. You're at that point of, of the Red Sea where you can't take another step without the supernatural work of the Holy Ghost. Or you're in a place of desperation for God to save that, that loved one, that, that son, that daughter, or, or that aunt, or uncle, or parent. Whatever the place, whatever the prayer that we're in, I think that Hannah gives us a good example that 
we can never stop praying. There's never a, there's never a point where it's, where it's too late that, that our prayers are not heard by God. And especially when we get to a point in, in prayer and in brokenness and, and saying, God, I've been praying for this thing maybe for years, for, for a lot of my life, and still haven't seen it come to pass. But Lord, if I'm asking amiss, then do a work in my heart. But if it's possible, then I want to make a covenant. I want to make a, a vow with you, God, that what I'm asking for would be used for your purpose and for, for your glory. Because I believe that, you know, we've, I, there's family members that I have, grandparents and even aunts and uncles that I've been praying for for my whole life. And I'll be honest, there's, there's been times, maybe even years, where I've allowed it to go by and, and then the Lord will convict me or, or I'll visit them and have a renewed uh, desperation, right, for their soul. And the Lord will remind me. And it's interesting here in the story of, of Hannah, we look at verse 19. Um, when Samuel is about to be born, it says that um, the Lord remembered her. And I, I was reading that over the past couple days and struggling a little bit. And like, well, Lord, you're all knowing. How could you forget her? <laughs> And, of course, I don't think he, he, he didn't forget her. I don't, he, the only thing that I believe God can forget is, is our sins. But he, maybe her reasoning or maybe the way that she was asking wasn't right for a little bit. So he said, you know what, I'm going to put that one on the back burner and let it do a work in her for a season, for a time. And then she got to a point of, pouring out her soul before the Lord. She got to a point of deciding, you know what? I've been praying for this thing for myself for so long that I'm going to change my prayer and pray it for, for the will and the purpose of the Lord. And if it happens, then great. But if it happens, I'm going to just return it back to him. Return it back to him for his purpose. And I believe when she prayed that way, when she prayed to the point where, where Eli thought that she was drunk. She was in such a deep place of prayer that her mouth, her lips were moving, but there was not even a sound coming out. I mean, that's a, it, it describes it perfectly. She poured out her soul. And I've been, I'm, I'm convicted recently, especially being on a, a newer job and um, where I have a handful of, of men of God, men in the church that work at that job, I've been convicted to think about the purpose of my prayers because I can let a week go by or two weeks go by and think back to what I prayed about and realize, man, I spent a lot of time praying for myself, praying for my own desires. But I'm in, a, I'm in a place, I'm in an, in an environment where there's people who are a part of an Eli generation who forgotten God. They've, they, they don't know the, the work of the Spirit and what He can do in their life. And I'm to a point where 
I want to pour out my soul for, for the men and the women that I work with for, for the advancement of his kingdom. Amen. For those people, for my family members, for not forgetting about the things that maybe forgetting about the, the prophecies or the things in, in my life that I could just spend days on and, and never give any time to, to praying for what his purpose is, what his, his will is. Amen. So I don't want to ask amiss. But I also never want to get to a point of quitting my prayer. I've, and it's interesting too because I think that when we pray for certain things, we can get to a point or it can get to a point where even if it's not necessarily what God thinks is best for us, sometimes he'll still do it. And I've heard stories of, of individuals who've prayed and prayed and they had a sickness or an ailment and they prayed and prayed or had someone pray for them and God healed them, God did a work. And shortly after that, they strayed away and went away from God, fell, fell into sin and forgot the purpose, that the thing that they'd prayed for. And one story I heard of, it was a young man, and it was, I think it was a type of a cancer that he had. And once he fell away, after a certain time, it actually came back. And the Lord used that to bring him back to the Lord. He used it to get him back to a place of brokenness and, and commitment to God. And I think it was, maybe it was the individual who prayed for him or different ones who knew he was healed originally and um, and, and I, he only had a short time left to live, and he was a young, young man. And these people were like, man, well, we can pray for you. Like, God can do it again. And he's like, no, nope. no, nope. no, nope. it's not worth me being healed if it's going to cost me my salvation. If it's going to cost me eternity. Amen. And so I don't know what any of us have right we call them prayer requests a lot of times but sometimes and we don't really do it so much anymore in services where we have prayer request service or testimony service but thank the lord <laughs> but back in the day if in uh, certain churches if they would do that every single week and certain individuals they were faithful they would say the same exact thing for years and years on end and I mean, I mean, I commend that, that faith, that consistency. But I wonder if there's anyone here tonight who maybe there's there's situation or a thing in your life that it's been so long or it's gotten to such a point where you stopped even asking or you stopped even bringing it to the Lord because you think, man, well, what's the point? I feel like he's just forgotten me. I feel like he's just put me aside and just moved on to something else amen why don't we why don't we stand tonight actually i don't know of of anything 
specific anyone may need or but the Lord knows and I believe if we would tonight change our change the way that we ask him say you know what God I've been praying this thing maybe selfishly for all these years or for however long but God I'm going to make a vow to you tonight I'm going to make a vow that not a not a threat I'm not going to tempt God but I'm going to make a vow and say God that if you do this when you do this it's not going to be for my benefit it's not going to be for my gain but it's going to be for the work and the will of the kingdom of God amen can we lift our hands for a moment feel God working here and if, if, if any of that is you if there's anyone that has a need or a thing that's that you've prayed for years that you want to recommit, reconsecrate to God. These, this front is open once again. There's such a sweet spirit of prayer here tonight, and I don't want to let it pass me by. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.